Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo decoded report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestion, endo aligned product matching in your state, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeka soft gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeka Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. Thanks for tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. I'm producer Lauren, and today the big stories. Leafly is going public. Half of New Jersey towns are poised to ban cannabis businesses. Wisconsin lawmakers unveiled their new legalization plan. And Dr. Ethan Russo has some thoughts on THCO acetate. Uh, but first, drop us a like and a subscribe. It helps us grow as a channel and spread the good word of weed. And now, your co-hosts, Tom and Nikki. Man, on the intro. Uh, that's right. Uh, big thumbs up for uh, Lauren putting together that new intro. Uh, it's so important that when you're doing these types of shows, you hit a particular algorithm. We're trying yeah. to do that. Yeah. Well, I just it was very professional. I felt so grown up for a minute. But oh, hey, you are grown up, dude. <laughs> What's up with the uh, so stock news? Right. Hey, yes, big stock news. But is that our lead story? It is. Our lead story is in huge stock news. Leafly is going to go public. Cannabis giant Leafly is going public through a SPAC merger. Wow. Uh-oh, just like the parent company. You remember when we had the parent company's uh, SPAC organizer on the show? I think he had a good plan, though, right? They're, they're still, they were flush with cash. Though. They were flush with cash. But if you have watched their stock price uh, over the past six months, it has been cut from like 10 to four. So it'll be interesting to see if this Leafly stock will go straight down. Now, I'm not I'm not sure if it's gonna, but, uh, you know, Leafly uh, has been around for a great many years. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a website just like WeMaps that we'll, we'll talk about later. But, you know, these two productive, Dominant, and again, back in the days when you, you they were one of the first ones to, to, to create this almost like a, a B2B tri- type of uh, 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 platform, but yet they were also providing like the blogosphere. You know, it was the early like influencer slash news, like the beginnings of, mm-hmm. and, and, and here we are. But yeah, so I'll go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the deal is valued at 532 million and expected to generate proceeds of up to 161 million. Includes Leafly's recent capital raise of 30. 31.5 million uh, from investors, including from Meridia Capital Holdings. And it's going to be listed on the NASDAQ, of course, with the symbol LFLY, Leafly. The Leafly was founded in 2010 and has grown into a leading marketplace and resource. The company offers a deep library of content for consumers, including detailed. 
on information about strains, retailers, and current events. I, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Chad is on here, and he was talking about how they were good and bad, and they are. I mean, it's a platform for people to learn. They had, I saw one of their scientists uh, was at one of our local when uh, we could hang out in the before times. Uh, well, there. you know, there's there's plenty of before times coming after we're all. My uh, nephew was just born, and my uh, sister had COVID while she was pregnant. So I'm like, oh, it's probably like one of the first humans that's out there that already has COVID uh, antibodies, like day one. You know, they're just born with them. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's a, he's he's that stuff that the future sci-fi is written about. He's like, I'm the one. Sure, sure you are, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so um, it's a it's a pretty interesting subscription-based platform. Seventy-eight hundred brands for forty-six hundred retail subscribers used. So that's one of its incomes is that they have this uh, platforms. So a dis- dispensary could use them as marketing services. And then, according to the report, the company is expected to see revenue hit forty-three million in twenty twenty-one and sixty-five million in twenty twenty-two. Remember, this was a company that was valued at $532 million, which means that that's more than 10 times its cash flows. And that's just its top line revenue. We have no idea if it's losing money. So it's 10, 11 times its cash flows, which is obscene. Obscene. It would be like a dispensary worth $50 million. Well, like the cash flow, though, probably because it's the ups and downs, right? Because Leafly experienced a turbulent 2020 of layoffs and leadership changes. No, it's because the math is wrong. That's all. Very often you have to realize that with these. And so the valuations, I'm getting one right now for my winners, my craft grow winners. And if you're out there and you have a craft growers license or you recently got a cannabis license and you're wondering what it's worth, you should order a 409A letter to get its opinion. Uh, And then after that, then you can actually see how you should take in investors because you've have an opinion of its valuation. For example, Leafly's 532 million. Well, you know, in, in Leafly and Weedmass at one time, we're the only game in town. Uh, but unknowns to most people, they can use Yelp if you're in a legal state. Like Yelp. No, that, really? Hmm. Yeah, they were at CanaCon here and I, and I had a conversation with them. Uh, they were like, yeah, you know, if you're in a legal state, it's legal. You can, and it's like cheaper to list on Yelp than it is on, uh, you know, because those cats, like they, you know, a lot of people were saying they're expensive. It was all pay to play. You know, unfortunately, they were the gatekeepers. Yep. And it appears that uh, Leafly is going to continue to lean into its strategy of being more of an e-commerce online platform. Uh, so more tech heavy. Uh, and that is Yoko Mishi- uh, Miyashita. I do not I do not know how to speak Japanese. I took the Korean instead. Uh, and so and when I see them, I'm like, Maichia. Yeah, that's not it. Uh, but he took over as the company's CEO in August of 2020 and has focused Leafly on building a better online shopping experience, signing up more dispensaries. And if you're a dispensary, marketing is tough because you can't. Like, <laughs> there's, there's laws that said what you can and can't do. But then also, it's uh, the IRC 280E. You can't, did, like, this is marketing for my law firm, which the government calls a tier two MRB. So I'm allowed to deduct this from the bottom line. I'm sorry, from the top line. I couldn't do this if I had a cannabis company. Like the the costs on deducting the operations for the the show. No, yeah. uh, that would be cap. You know, you would you would have to pay taxes on that, and so that would just be booked as profit and disallowed is what they call it as a deduction. Well, let's not forget that the social media is against anything cannabis, you know, any, any anything marijuana. Like, like as soon as you're, you create an account, how many people have lost accounts, clone accounts, multiple accounts? You know, uh, uh, people are talking about uh, remember Mass Roots. I remember them. There's been plenty of platforms. As a matter of fact, Mass Roots still they they were one of the people that we talked about with uh, Fresh Toast with, with JJ when. 
they I thought they had a really cool app. They had a really cool beginning. They raised a bunch of money, but then those guys checked out. Those right. guys took the money and had a good time. Well, uh, sometimes when the grind is the grind and somebody comes up and they back they they, they back a dump truck of five hundred and thirty-two million dollars to your door and you're like, Oh man, I could really go for about three years on a beach. <laughs> Why? You know, but uh, Matt O'Brien tweeted the most valuable cannabis marketplaces are Leafly at 385 million, Dutchie at 1.7 billion, and Weed Maps at 2.31 billion U.S. dollars. These are the pipes. These are the Amazon of weed right now because they have the the software that integrates with the um, online websites for the dispensaries, and it also like for example Dutchie and probably also Weed Maps and Leafly, they integrate with your inventory control system so that you uh, can show the SKUs that are in stock on your store online. People can book it. And, uh, you know, if they have a delivery endorsement, it'll show up to your house or you can go pick it up. Those are like just part of what they offer, both uh, Leafly and Maps. You know, I think their biggest asset has been the, the content being a media type. Uh, a thing. There ain't no money in content. No, I mean, there's, like, there's money in content. But then like way less than you think. And so that's one of the reasons why what they're doing is they're retrofitting it to, because like Dutchie doesn't make content. Dutchie does online e-commerce for dispensaries, mm. you know? Right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. So like you said, the Amazons. And it's just, right. I think though, the influence of being that, uh, because of the lack of ability to advertise, because it's unable to, you know, ads and. I mean, you uh, can do it, but imagine that, you know, you're watching your margins. And so you're, your advertisements are just coming straight out of your profits. Like your that dollar of advertisement revenue that you did for your brand, as opposed to like just listing your stuff on Leafly, which is advertising for your brand and advertising for your sales. But maybe it's like a free interface. Great, simply because then the Leafly company are they going to get audited by IRC two hundred eighty E? Because what did they do when they're doing those online sales and taking commission there? Yeah, yeah, they're they're they're, they're enabling a crime. Is that, that, that going to be disallowed? You know, is that going to be subject to IRC 280? We're waiting. We're waiting and watching for Leafly to be audited. That is going to be the noise. I think we messed the one to watch for audits. If, if you think about it, because they really already went through. A, they got called out for having for the black illegal, market. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, if anybody's going to get ping right away it's going to be the state of california going after weed maps <laughs> you know not yeah. anybody else yeah well it's going to be half of california going after weed maps because the other half of california actually looks like half of new jersey because in half of california they still don't have uh the counties have legalized the cannabis business in their jurisdictions and new jersey looks like half of those towns are going to ban cannabis in their jurisdictions so the august 21st deadline is six months in which cannabis operations must be opted out of or else you will have them in your municipality and therefore almost half of the state's municipalities are uh, uh, facing uh, the opt-out vote coming up. And if you live in New Jersey and your com- uh, your community is thinking about uh, voting to opt out, you need to get involved. You need to go. You need to be heard. You need to tell them not to be stupid and don't opt out. They should have the business there for the community. You're missing out on a chance of 2% tax and licensing fees. I mean, that's, you know, like, the money's where you got to get these people, right? Like, like it's, it'll help the schools. It'll help the roads. That's right. It'll help the schools the roads, and then we can even fund uh, addiction programs and, and first responders with it, you know? 
Yeah. Uh, some officials say that fewer cannabis businesses will adversely affect children. How? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Why? Because their parents are going to have jobs instead of records. What? Like, you know, that, that doesn't sound like it adversely helps them. And Bergen County, 10 contiguous ca- towns jointly decided to ban cannabis stores in part because they'd be located near residential neighborhoods and places of public accommodation frequented by the public, including children. In Union City, Mayor Brown's, or Brian Stacked is stopping marijuana operations from opening his town, even though he is a state senator who also casted a yes vote for marijuana legalization. His hypocrisy is showing. Dude, this is so crazy. Just the, the fact that the whole uh, still people are saying because of the children bullshit. I uh, on my way to work this morning um, uh, was on the train. Like I always do, and I came across a couple from Texas. They were visiting, and uh, I was like, uh, "We just passed a weed shop." And I was like, "Hey, there's a weed shop. If you guys ever want to get weed." And then, uh, you know, the conversation kind of simmered, but then it came back. He's like, "Yeah, I'm kind of here for the weed." I mean, this is uh, most Americans smoke cannabis. This is a non-issue, at least where I'm at in Seattle, right? Like, I like you find a spot, go get high, whatever, do what you think. But uh, yeah, you, the, the the rule in Seattle is do not pass hash joints while walking over a sewer grate. Especially to me. I will drop them and they will fall to their death without being smoked. We missed a $30 hash joint that I failed to pick up with these two stupid fingers. But uh, yeah. And then and uh, Jersey Shore. In Jersey Shore, one of the councilmen, because like Jersey Shore is known for a terrible television series from MTV. One councilman said a medical marijuana, who was a medical marijuana patient, said op- uh, opposed opening stores in his town, saying it would be a smoke fest on the beaches and boardwalk. As what opposed to the drunk fest that it currently is. Wow. Like, I mean, you really just didn't really deter me on that one. Like, right. <laughs> like matter of fact, I'm thinking about trying to do some smokings out here because uh, um, as the city's building up, we have a lot of construction going on. So, you know, it gets harder to come to areas. But I think I can I can do like a, a pop-up event where, you know, 100 free joints, people show up and they yeah. can uh, buy at the local area. You know, kind of a commerce type thing. That would be interesting. But uh, the Jersey Shore mayor said that residents, quote, didn't vote for 17 year olds to become drug users they didn't i don't know understand why i always sound like a hick whenever i'm being uh, somebody who is uh, anti-cannabis legalization uh, but he went on they didn't vote for some overtaxed product so some ms-13 gangbanger can come in here and undercut it and undercut the legal market uh so interesting that uh he is using um wildly inappropriate and just totally wrong-headed things to uh, support his town's ban on cannabis establishments. My brain hurts just from digesting what this this person just said. Like, like, so some MS-13 gang bear can come in here and an undercut what? Like, undercut like, a highly taxed product. Well, so I'm saying you legalized it with too high a taxes, so we can't have the businesses come in here. Uh, and so the MS-13 gangbanger who is selling the weed uncarded to 17-year-olds as opposed to the licensed dispensary where you have to present your medical card and also an ID or just your ID if you're going for adult use. Um, you just – when you realize that he's the mayor – and he's also so stupid that we should call him the R word. Uh, and, and then when somebody says you can't use that word anymore, and you'd be like, no, he supports criminalization of cannabis. He'd be like, oh, that is all. Oh, that is that. Yeah, that's OK, then he should know better. We don't agree with that guy. We don't agree with that guy. Yeah, yeah I just, you know, and again, uh, people listen to him and we're like, yeah, this makes sense. It's just fucking dumb, man. Um 
Yeah, the messaging from officials in many of the 240 towns that the State League of Municipalities estimates have banned cannabis business is simpler. They say they don't want to approve anything before the state's new cannabis regulatory commission. I mean, I guess that's one way to opt out. That's one way to opt out. But the long path that is cannabis legalization uh, almost really supports the dual nature of the licensing. And so uh, how they do it in Michigan and how they do it in California, simply because if 50 percent of New Jersey opts out, but then they're going to have state issued licenses. Those state issued licenses will only be in 50 percent of the state. And so when these other communities overturn their ban, then the state's going to be like, okay, now what do we do? Do we just do like these these areas are now going to get them or, or how are they going to make that um, available? But, you know, when you have it dual license like you do in uh, uh, California, a new city will vote to legalize it. And then that city will have a round because there's no state cap. So the state caps and then city opt out screws everything up. Jersey is very small, too. Like you go through it, you, you'll blink. But uh, um, I wonder how long until the other to those townships realize they're missing out on money, tax revenue, uh, law enforcement can actually focus on real crime. Like, like there's a lot of benefits to why prohibition ending prohibition. Uh, it doesn't help anybody to keep this miserable law around. Like, show me an adult. Show me. Just give me one reason why people belong in jail for a plant. Like, just just tell me one. Just seriously. Yeah. Unless, of course, they uh, use those plants to maliciously murder somebody, but then they're there for murder. They just use plants to accomplish it. You know, uh, the plant in and of itself, like possessing. And so like some people. We're not social equity applicants in Illinois because they were caught with um, two pounds of wheat instead of one pound of wheat. How come suddenly, because the number, the pounds of weed that I have, that's still a crime to have that much weed. Like, I figured out how I figured out how I can kill you. I just figured it out. You just got to you got to shoot so it, I, put it into I, a cannon. No, no. Well, so after harvest, right? Uh-huh. After you take the buds off, right? Now you got the the stock, the 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 actual just stock, right? Uh-huh. Let that dry. You know, hopefully you have a good thick stock. You know, you have a good healthy plant. Right. After it dries, trim all the branches, sharpen pointy stock, <laughs> sharpen in, mm-hmm. get it good. Now stab. So you that's have to okay. make a shift. So like that's how cannabis can kill if you uh, take the harvested stalk of it and turn it into a shift. Nice. I, I'm just saying facts. Yeah. <laughs> well, facts. But um, oh, yeah. the cities, approximately 60 towns have opted in that are simply writing their own rules. So there's going to be these 60 towns. And if now all the applications are going to be centralized on those 60 towns, which means that you're, oh, my goodness. I know what that means. Woo! 420 somewhere, everybody. Wow. It's not all bad news in there. Uh, Despite all these municipalities municipalities opting out, there'll be plenty of places to purchase cannabis. Several municipalities on board are New York, Atlantic City, Hoboken, Trenton, and Jersey City. Oh, the big cities? Good. Shocking that the big cities want this, but then those little smaller cities where the Republican voters are, they they don't. Yeah, I mean, it's just the way it seems, right? See, there's no consistency in how this town's rural or suburban, Democrat or Republican, are handling this. So, like, actually, they're all kind of varied. Jersey's all fucked up, dude. Jersey's all fucked up. Snafu over there, there, I tell you. I went to my high school. It was spelled, if you're Spanish, it's it's, uh, it's a, a... Bueno, right? Mm-hmm. Or Buena. 
the people in Jersey, even though there's a heavy Puerto Rican population out there, they pronounce it Buna. Buna? Buna. Buna was my yeah. high school. Like, 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 it was just like, where did this work? Like, just bad enunciation. We just, they make shit up as they go. <laughs> I don't like that. But yeah, I love that it is no longer making any sense. And you can't oversimplify it by saying the Democrats are going to be where it is and the Republicans are going to be where it's not. Because uh, the Democrats and Republicans, they're all over the place. For example, two liberal towns where the marijuana ballot initiative won by 84% of the vote, South Orange Park and Ashbury Park are opting out. Oh, no, Ashbury Park. Oh, that was a that was a good place. Hey. Well, not anymore. <laughs> but uh, where are we at there? Um, in Patterson, the mayor envisioned as many as thirty six cannabis businesses, bringing in an estimated one point five million in annual revenue. But after the opposition from school board members and leaders of the Muslim community, the city appears to ban all operations. Won't you think of the children and God? Yeah, I mean that's that's what it always comes down to, right? The first children retail. Establishment will be likely uh, medical dispensaries that open up for 21 and older as long as the business can prove that they have enough. Or you just go through the New Jersey Weed Man way and just say, and just, no, I'll just know. be like, well, just go down that corner over there. Yeah. Well, ask for me. Yeah. I got less than uh, whatever carry. So what are you going to do? Give me a ticket. You're going to take me in. Are we really going to process me for? Well, that's look. You know, the Weed Man episode, if you haven't checked it out, you know, smashing likes, leave us a comment, and then you're going to get more of our uh, videos in your feed. But go ahead and just search it. You know, NJ Weed Man, Cannabis Legalization News. He spit a lot of facts about operators in the legacy market, uh, a lot of them. And I'm kind of surprised that one has not yet been flagged. Maybe it has by by YouTube. Uh, however, one of the things that may play out in Jersey is kind of being you – know, because I have the rumor mill because of what I do for a living. Yeah. Like, I, I cannabis all day, every day. Uh, so, you know, um, the yeah, well, professionally, cannabis professionally. And so uh, the rumor mill has medical resolution of a lawsuit. And so then the medical dis- dispensaries will get out there and then the numbers on that will go up. The revenues will go up. People will realize that shit is not really falling apart. Things are fine. Money, schools, fine. Uh, And then they might actually have the uh, round of applications starting a little bit later. But we may get a draft of the regulations in 10 days on the 21st. So if that happens, then uh, me and the guys will be like, okay, let's do this. And then we start working. Um, And then you kind of monitor it and you see what the next iteration of those rules are. And when that application hits, you just have to go. And yeah. you have to apply because if you don't, you're gonna you're gonna miss out on a litigation that's gonna take two years. Seriously though, like like I I, I wish that like in the beginning when Washington State, I, I actually put my foot forward or, or invested like 10k into it. Like I've I, I've shed more money that I could have put into this time into this in, in, in the, into the beginning. You heard about the dispo owner, right? How yeah. he just he spent five grand. It was like twenty five hundred to apply and another twenty five hundred to uh, do something else, and then he just won. Yeah. $5,000 lottery ticket. You don't have to hire a guy like me until after you win. It seems like that's what they're doing in Connecticut. And so, like, you know, you could retain our firm and we'll help you get into the lottery there. But then after you win, they give you 12 months to get everything in order. That's something that New Jersey could do. But they say it's going to be a competitive application in the statute. So 
What, like Chicago? I mean, uh, Illinois? Yeah. <laughs> so like $85,000 before my success fees. And no transparency. So, yeah. No transparency. Here. And so pay up or get out. Hey, you going on tour? You know I'm going on tour. I'll be in uh, Philly in two weeks. Nice. Uh, what is the Cannabis Industrial Marketplace, my friend? Cannabis Industrial Marketplace is having a BOGO day. I think if you buy one, you get one right now. And that was an email that I got. And so uh, where did that email go? So another, you know, this is another great event. Uh, uh, you know, you show up, you, you network. Uh, Philadelphia, it's going to be a great place once they uh, figure out legalization. Um, the city of brotherly love. Mm-hmm. Got to know that city of brotherly love. But the next one is uh, Philly. And here is the link to the Philly one. Oh, my gosh. Now that we're talking about links, one of the things that you guys that are watching might want to do is check out our description section, because now we have a bit.ly link that leads to our link tree so that you can get in touch with us on all of our social media channels. Uh, It's pretty sweet. And so if you also want some help on your cannabis business, we have that link tree that's there and you can fill out the form on it. Uh, And I just shared the link for the BOGO buy one, get one free tickets they end today they have a coupon code there i will be out in philly for the tri-state and uh, i guess because pennsylvania hasn't legalized it we're going to include connecticut as in tri-state so it's connecticut new york new jersey okay right on yeah. i i haven't been out there in years man and i can't imagine what it looks like now uh but you know uh, uh it's funny as we end the pandemic as we're coming on on the end wrapping things up you know getting better you know we're talking about workforce people want people come come home to work but you know a study show 15 percent of a workforce use weed while working from home nearly weekly so would they be allowed to go back it depends on if they're working for the federal government sometimes the only way that you can smoke weed and work for the federal government is if you don't go into work <laughs> right a new research suggests that 15 percent of americans working from home during a pandemic were consuming marijuana uh, i think it's higher than that but you know but you're in washington state now if you were in idaho you'd think it's lower Oh, uh, it'd be like a CBD check or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, the data, the research is based to come from a poll conducted by AmericanMarijuana.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, various findings, in addition to the 15% remote uh, employees saying they worked from home under the influence of marijuana at some point since March 2020. This included over 41% of remote employees under 30 saying they puffed on the clock. Remote employees under 30 puffing on the clock. Look, man, I'm not one to uh, tell people what to do or not do. Um, I'm just trying to live my life as a uh, an allegory, like as a like like I want to be the uh, I'm not the rule and I'm not the exception. I'm just the rule. Right. Like I consume a lot of weed like when I have it. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll smoke in the morning, smoke and maybe in the afternoon, after like lunchtime when I if, depending on what's going on. Right. Like I know depending what's going on. There is a high likelihood that I have a joint in my mouth. Pretty much. And then and, and it hasn't affected my work effort because I still have that in mind. I always keep your priorities. You know, this uh, it just shows that people can function. Yeah, we'll see about that. But they said 41 percent of remote employees under 30 said they puffed on the clock. And that is pretty big. That's like, you know, forty one fifty nine. That means if you see three people, you know, at least one of them is in it. And if you see 10 people, there's four. Uh, and, and then the younger demographics, the younger demographics use a little bit less. Uh, one in three remote workers aged 30 to 49 use cannabis at work. And by work, I'm assuming they mean home. More v- veteran members were not that far behind at 30 percent. And they were willing to admit to indulging a little weed while they sailed towards their retirement years hey man a little vape pen 
saying? Like, you know, while you're walking through your day, you mm-hmm. know, I can definitely toke. Sometimes I've taken a token and you're like, all right, I need a minute. Like, I probably yeah. sh- shouldn't go talk to the boss right now. Give me. I don't know about that because there's a gender breakdown in the study as well. Hmm. Uh, it was more even a, a split between the men and the women. The poll found approximately 36.6% of men and 37.9% of women uh, were likely to smoke at home from work. So women are more likely to be buzzed on that Zoom call that you're on. Hey, man, I would imagine the breakdown across white and blue collar jobs is a bit more of a bummer. Well, 44.9 percent of white collar workers felt comfortable admitting their on the clock use. Twenty one point six of the blue collar workers did go to college. Because then you could smoke weed at work. I get the blue collar side of things, though. I, I, you know, I'm a laborer. Like, that's what I've been doing. And but then they're more likely to be tested for drugs. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. But that's the thing, right? Like as a laborer, as someone who's used my body and in, in, in physicality to just make someone else money uh, and I get hurt and I know I smoked like that week, let alone that day. I don't say shit because I know there's a test involved at the end of this, you know, and that's the unfortunate thing. As a worker, as a blue collar worker, you're not you, you don't have your rights, you know, and, and, and that's an unfortunate thing, uh, kind of like with the whole uh vaccination and military thing right now like mm-hmm. you know people want to like oh uh, support the troop bullshit but the thing is when i was in the navy you know we, we fought for freedom you don't have any like i've taken more shots and i really don't know but mm-hmm. at the same time there's got to be a chain of command there's got to be a thing that if you're gonna have something effective and, and be a, a force uh you gotta play by the rules and just do what you have to do you know you're just a i'm assuming machine. that they're under reporting then is what i'm assuming and so like if they are uh because like the white collar ones they might feel a little bit more of that privilege they might be like oh yeah 44 percent of the time i'm smoking weed at work but then the blue collar ones are more along the lines of like no i i don't i don't exactly. want no random tomorrow you know i don't know who's calling me asking if i use weed at work fuck that i'm not getting dropped for some reason when i have per- report and clock in tomorrow yep no it's exactly how it is dude i mean like even when i was in the military uh people were consuming all the time and you just don't accidents happen all the time like i, I saw one guy uh he uh we're playing video games and uh he has a bunch of joints in his cigarette pocket and this uh, sergeant walks in and he's like, hey, can I get a cigarette? And he tosses in the pack. Guy grabs a cigarette, doesn't say shit. But magically, the next day, we all had a, a baseline urinalysis. Like, it, it, you don't trust people, man. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> Seriously, though, you, you, you're best off um, not saying. I mean, that's, that's unfortunate, though, right? You don't have rights and you should. Yeah, but, you know, uh, the pandemic also helped fuel some demand rise. They said that 53% uh, credited the pandemic was the first time they ever got high on the clock, probably because they were working from home. And, you know, had no fear and able to experiment and realize, oh, this ain't that thing that they talked about. Mm -hmm. I feel feel okay. I feel better. Matter of fact, I'm not a threat to society. (laughs) Nope. Well, who? Oh, good. Well, we got some pot stock news next. Yeah, threat to society. All right, let's do the pot stocks. Van, Van, go, go for it. it. Yeah. 
Vancouver pot promoter charged an SC securities fraud probe. Richmond News. Mm-hmm. I, this one, I think you would be. I, I talked about this lightly last week. This and the Leafly one, but I think you're a better uh, source when it comes to. I, I sent this to Josh. He actually looked up this guy's stock, mm-hmm. and it went from seventeen dollars to seventeen cents. But the way this article was written, it broke it down to like different like entities, shadow companies. Mm-hmm. Like I was at loss reading this thing, dude. I don't know though, but like if you if your stock price goes from seventeen dollars to seventeen cents, I really hope that you have been paid in put options because then you're rich. Otherwise, you are broke. And if you are being paid in put options, do not buy the stock of that company. By the way, uh, so anyway, this is a Vancouver-based marijuana stock promoter, and he has been charged with securities fraud, conspiracy, and obstruction by the United States Department of Justice in Boston, following an investigation of two of his companies, Avatar Dillon. Pre- Previously established and operated marijuana growing facilities in Richmond and Delta with Emerald Health Therapeutics, whose board he chairs. And while he was establishing greenhouses in Canada between 2017 and 2020, the SEC was investigating Dylan for alleged fraudulent tech t- transactions. He allegedly concealed his ownership of millions of shares in his two companies for which he served as the chairman of the board of directors and then secretly directed the share sales, generating approximately $2.19 million of proceeds. Dylan is alleged to have used a lawyer not named in the USAO to conceal ownership of shares of the Boston-based Arc Therapeutics and New Jersey-based Oncosec Medical Inc., two microcap biotechnology companies. He was chairman of the board. See what I'm talking about? Layers, man. That's yep. four companies in one shot right now. Yeah, I tell you, it seems like sometimes what you really need to be on a board of directors is the ability to just take, just take everything. <laughs> And well, then keep going. Good. Yeah, but I just it just boggles my mind how how you he was on these boards and and you know this this securities fraud, uh, like how did, how they caught him? You know, mm-hmm. uh, Dylan is alleged to have or no wrong one. Uh, directors are supposed to disclose all the shares they own and have restrictions on their sale. Concealing the insider sales could have the effect of not negatively impacting the share price. And yeah. Yeah. Investigators with the FBI alleged Dylan is a lawyer made false representations for millions of shares. And then watch out for lawyers. Some of them are not Eagle Scouts. The lawyer put those shares into two LLCs and then another law firm provide a legal opinion based on an alleged misrepresentation to a broker that the shares could be deposited into brokerage accounts without restrictions. Upon their subsequent sale, the lawyer transferred the cash to (laughs) suspected beneficiaries of Dylan. Now, that is one of the reasons why you do want to check your malpractice limitations. I am Mm. not saying that you should then layer your malpractice limitations uh, according to your insurable risk, but it would not surprise me if this lawyer did that. Yeah. uh, From his allegedly hidden ARC therapeutic share sales, Dylan allegedly generated $1.3 The FBI also alleges Dylan interfered with the SEC investigation. Furthermore, Mm. Based on the evidence described herein, I have probable cause to believe that Dylan obstructed the SEC's Boston investigation by providing false and incomplete information regarding his beneficial interest in the shares, state the investigator. Interesting. Yeah, man. You got to be careful when you're raising money. You got to comply with all those types of regulations. It'll catch up to you. Well, it, it can and it can't. Like he could have still bled that company for hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions. Uh, but he could have done it legitimately. Yeah, well, I mean, this seems like um, I want to say rich people problems, right? Like, like, well, stealing is not a rich person's problem. I mean, like people can just steal all the time. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. Uh, but if you are wealthy and stealing, you have more money to protect yourself from getting caught. 
Right. But to be on the board, to be in that position, to have that moment where you can do these effed up things. I mean, really, it's coming down to risk problems. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's one of those deals where sometimes uh, and this is I can hear it. You can hear it in the streets, uh, the litigation that's coming to not just Illinois, but also New Jersey. And then, of course, everywhere else that there is a limited cannabis market shareholder disputes, because suddenly you get the license and that's when the money shows up. And that's when you're like, you know, this was all mine. This this was all mine. I have no idea why any of you people are saying that you own my my company. I own all of this. Fifty one percent. Come on. It sounds like what all those tech companies did like during the early cannabis days, like, you know, the, the raising funds. And then um, this wasn't yours to begin with. Hey, yeah, but whatever, man. We got good news to report out of the Senate. Yeah. The Senate is going to let researchers study weed from dispensaries, according to the Marijuana Moment. The U.S. Senate on Tuesday approved a massive infrastructure bill that includes provisions aiming to allowing researchers to study the actual marijuana that consumers are purchasing from a state legal dispensaries instead of having to use only government grown cannabis nice and you know this uh the same bill uh they they had some more provisions happen this morning two weeks we got two weeks and they can vote on it two weeks that would be fantastic and we all hope that this thing passes because then the actual research can can be done I mean, one of the accesses of the supply, because it only came from that place in Mississippi, that stunk, man. And now it's substantially easier because you can just go to your dispo and get yourself some medicine. Well, not just that. This this science, these 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 studies that are going to be approved through the budget. Right. That's all it's getting approved through this budget is all studies, you know, studies for driving studies for um, probably, you know, uh, food and health, whatever. One year at a time, man. One year at yeah. a time. I mean, so these studies are getting done this year. They'll be coming back next year. It'll be an election year. And you know that the Democrats are going to put that on the ballot hard. They're oh, like, yeah. we got to win that Senate because if we do that, then we'll be able to legalize weed. And the Republicans are going to say, we got to win that Senate because then if we do that, we can legalize weed. And then you're like, wait, why don't you just do it now? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, though. But and at the same time, though, because these studies, I think, will be substantial in the end when it comes to actually laying that legislation. Right. Because we got to always chase that boogeyman of like, what happens if everybody gets high at one time? Like, like whatever, you know, all the potato chips will will disappear. (laughs) And everybody will be like, man, those are some good chips. Right? No, but for real, though. Uh, the legislation also encourages states that have enacted legalization laws to educate people about impaired driving. See, that's what a separate amendment to more generally streamline research into marijuana and components like CBD by removing certain roadblocks on studies that was filed the last week by a bipartisan trio of centers was not added to the bill prior to passage however so like it's not specific cbd research like some all these studies though they're talking about components of the uh the cannabis so uh is there an echo do you hear me i can hear you great i'm just going like man we got a lot of cannabis news we're gonna have to like stop making so many references and just in other news go through it you know oh just like line by line real quick (laughs) pretty much but anyway it looks like the senate vote on infrastructure is going to contain these types of provisions and hopefully we're going to have more cannabis research being done in your state and moving on to shit i wasn't expecting do we get a bumper for that no damn it i thought we had a bumper
You weren't we did, we did, we did, we did. You weren't expecting that bumper. <laughs> Legal U.S. marijuana is pouring into Mexico. It's pricey, popular, and has names such as Bubba Kush, Washington Post. I love it. In news of reverse drug exporting, uh, American weed is being sold in Mexico because Mexican weed still sucks. And uh, now they're they're having names down there as opposed to just weed. They're going to be like Bubba Kush, which is a strain from like the 90s here. So Mexico is smoking our dank from 25 years ago. And we're taking their Viagra. The most sought after marijuana being trafficked across the U.S. Mexico borders now weed entering Mexico, not weed leaving. Cannabis sold legally in California is heading south illegally, dominating a booming boutique market across Mexico where buying and selling the drug is still outlawed. That's interesting, though. I remember because remember how Mexico is was the Chuck Schumer of legalization. They're like, you must do it. And then their Supreme Court would say, you have to legalize it. And then still it's not legal. And then they're just getting it imported from California. Yeah. Well, they're still making strides right there. They have some stuff pending, but I think that's probably what is helping uh, expedite that. Right. Like they're realizing, shit, we better get better at this product that we've been exporting for years illegally. And, and then now be competitive. Yep. That, that's good. Yeah. The world's most famous can of strains with a new string of American names like Girl Scout Cookie and Bubba Kush can suddenly be purchased just north of the U.S.-Mexican border, including at outlet malls walking distance from the Mexican territory. And then you bring that right on back. And uh, evidently 60 percent of the weed that is being sold on the street in Mexico City is uh, from the gray market of California. One car was recently stopped entering Tijuana with 5,600 jars of gummies infused with THC that activated created marijuana. That's all. Gummies? You got busted with a shit ton of gummies? That's we got an arbitrage opportunity. Oh, yeah. Come on. five. All those gummies in Mexico, they probably turned into one big puddle of goo, uh, oh, yeah. especially after they were busted and they turned off the air conditioning. So high-end strains of U.S.-grown cannabis can cost up to 500 an ounce in Mexico, but they can buy it for $150 an ounce in California, and that is what we call an arbitrage opportunity. Damn. For years, advocates of legalized marijuana in Mexico have argued the country could establish an enormously profitable industry given its years of producing the drug illicitly. The Sonola cartel has probably been looking into establishing its own legal cannabis sub- subsidiary in Mexico. I, it, it, honestly, the, I'm surprised Mexican weed's not better than what it is, and they haven't focused on that. Well, how good do you think that Tegrity weed's going to be? Oh, it's all about Tegrity. Tegrity weed. Integrity Farms cannabis brand may be launched by South Park team. Can't wait, dude. Yeah, but the South Park team of Trey Parker and Matt Stone recently got 900 million. That is nine units with Viacon. And what are they going to do with the money? I think we're really, for the first time, going to bring Integrity Weed into real life, Stone told Bloomberg, but did not elaborate. I think it should come with a little tally. That'd be the dopest thing, right? Yeah, the Tally seal of approval. This was tested by Tally. Oh, man, that's some good shit. I love that. Are you testing it? And like he was in the corner, like all balled up with real red eyes. Yeah. Well, I love how you got all like scientific in the beginning. You brought out some shit, was going to like do something and then just. Yeah, 
God, that's it. That's the, that's your Yeah, but I love Integrity Farms. I loved how in uh, season 23, uh, Randy was, of course, the farmer and bought himself a farm and moved them all to Integrity Farms. He had to go to China to do business. He he brought he was responsible for the coronavirus and also its vaccine. Uh, it was ridiculous. And then he even lampooned Mad Men in one of the episodes. Yeah, that was pretty great. You know, they, they, they took on the whole like they're a little uh, mediocre commercial uh but yeah it's gonna be i wonder i hope it will come to my state i really do hope because that's what it's gonna come down to license most likely california though well right and so they would have like the integrity special or something you know uh and yes i mean you just make a hybrid you make it tasty so it's good uh, and then you call it whatever you want to call it from south park and then uh, you get a licensing agreement for the genetics I want to see who the real life Randy Marshall be. I mean, I they'd be great. But they I should have find him in Denver. Well, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, I think they're in Colorado. Uh, Lauren was saying, um, but it'd be great to have like some dude dressed up like Randy Marsh and just a little like the the wheat in his mouth and yeah, it's all right. It's all about integrity. Come on in. Yep, it's all about integrity. And but, of integrity, yeah, go uh, ahead. I'll say, see, speaking of integrity, uh, you know, Wisconsin lawmakers unveil new marijuana legalization bill. All right. Shout out to the state that helped me get my law degree. And a trio of Wisconsin lawmakers traveled across the state into Illinois at a Sunnyside cannabis store in South Beloit. And those three Wisconsin Democrats were Senator Melissa Argod, Representative David Bowen and Mark Spritzer. And they held an event outside of that dispensary. Their bill would legalize tax and regulate the sale of cannabis to if a to adults 21 and older in Wisconsin and bring the state in line with neighbors, Illinois and Michigan, where cannabis is already legal for adult use. Interesting that they wouldn't have any medical. That's fine, man. I don't care. Like if there's going to be an application round where I did this stuff, where I, where I got licensed, I mean, I'm going to talk to my client, Nick and be like, bro, let's go get some stuff in Wisconsin. It just, it just makes no sense to why these cats are even like looking at, uh, legalization right away because uh especially like idaho uh i showed a video uh last week where uh uh the bordering uh in oregon um God, what the name, uh, i forget the name of the town that's bordering but uh a lot of traffic from idaho and so he went to idaho and just did a whole video of like these are great spots to smoke <laughs> you know like just hey how you doing this little river hey this this uh it's just crazy there's more out-of-state plates like here like I, I think I told you before, when I was on my way out to go get my son last year, uh, at the pot shop right at the border, these cats are getting more out of state business. Like there's re- retarded money coming in, and states are missing out on this. It's ridiculous. It's true, man. And then not only that, talk about that money. Sixty percent of the tax revenue is going to go to be reinvested in communities that have been impacted by the drug war. And there's some poor areas in Milwaukee that would probably get a lot of that money. And then uh, the measure would also provide a path for expungement for people with past cannabis convictions and allow peace, people to petition a judge for resentencing. Uh, hopefully it is going to be a uh, entrepreneurial uh, licensing scheme, but we'll have to see. Uh, and then the thing is the Democrats, despite comprising 51% of the population in uh, Wisconsin, comprise approximately 33% of the legislature because of Republican gerrymandering and redistricting. Damn. What, what's, what, what, what is, what's commodity coming out of Wisconsin besides cheese? Beer. 
cheese, beer, sausage. Okay. Yep. Weed would be would it be weed would be a great asset to that. I mean that that would be like an awesome place to hang out. Uh, it's it's so it's not great in in February, and so like if you go up to the North Woods uh, during the summer with the lakes, sure. But uh, I'm sure when it turns into February, uh, that far north, I mean, it's just like Seattle far north. It is dark where you live oh, during yeah. winter. Well, yeah. doesn't Wisconsin also have hard like snows? Oh yeah. And yeah. so you still have the dark that you have in Seattle, but frigid and a lot of snow. Yeah, no, I'm I'm good. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'll just take the dark. <laughs> All right, let's do what we do after it's uh, so far past the hour. We got a little name that strain for you. There it is. Look at that guy. Girl. Uh, it's a, definitely a girl, Miggy. It is, it is a girl. You should be able to tell that. And this girl, I think she looks purple. Or at least a little blue, you know? A lot of, uh, a lot of red hairs. Yeah, red and just trichomes. Oh, crystals. Yes. Crystals. Just, just lots of crystals. I bet this is hand trimmed. Look, you know why I say that? Definitely. Because look at the hairs. Like when you do a machine trim, the machine trim just butchers the hairs. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're right. I mean, that's definitely a, a hand. Uh, we got a blue gelato. Nope. Uh, going through. Nope. So far, not. I wonder. No. I wish it was scratch and sniff. God damn it. No, no. It's not scratch and sniff, but it is uh, one of. It just depends on like we can we can go on to the next story as you keep guessing, but uh, this is a classic heirloom strain. I would say a classic heirloom strain created by a classic grower, uh, a very famous grower. Yes. And um, in the legacy market. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. THCO acetate <laughs> Q&A with Dr. Ethan Russo. Don't go there. Hemp grower. That's right. So let's uh, get the beautiful nugget off. We'll go back. Nobody's guessed it yet. Uh, two letters, DJ. And so THCO acetate Q&A with Dr. Ethan Russo. Don't go there. Uh, fascinating story that came out of that because something has been getting hyped in the uh, hemp derivative market. That something is an analog known as THCO acetate. And so the number of states have this Delta 8 uh, THC that is out there. But now coming up in uh, next place is this THCO acetate because they claim that it's actually quite a bit stronger than Delta 8. But is it made synthetic? synthetically. This synthetic cannabinoid known as a semi-synthetic cannabinoid known as THCO acetate is one substance gaining attention. And uh, cannabis writer Jolene Hansen interviewed Ethan Russo on the matter. And he said, well, let's, let's do Jolene's question. Right, well, go ahead. Honestly, are you familiar with this uh, THCO acetate? Like I just learned about Delta 10 the other day. I got a card of it. You do? I got a card of THCO acetate. I haven't tried it. Obviously, but I I do. I mean, it's purported to be a card of it. I guess it's got a QR code. I could check it out, but I don't know if I'm going to because, you know, Uh, so anyway, Jolene Hansen put it to Dr. Ethan Russo. The hemp industry is seeing a proliferation of a controversial cannabinoids, including THCO acetate. Does this surprise you to see that coming? 
And then uh, Dr. Russo said more on the latter. All this nonsense about these synthetics I see as a byproduct of prohibition. If there were legalized of cannabis products with the appropriate regulation, I don't think any of it would be happening. The continued prohibition has basically been a catalyst to this kind of development of the products that people would like to think are legal, but clearly are not. THCO acetate falls into that category. But these are not synthetic uh, cannabinoids. What up, Gummo? Good job. Dave. Thanks, Jeff. Oh, yes. Uh, DJ Short. Blueberry. Let's, uh, before we delve into, because like Ethan Russo has a very cogent argument for why THCO acetate may go too far from the process. And it is a process of derivation of these cannabinoids. And right. so with THCO acetate, you may have had to have created THC and then acetatalyzed sure. it into THCO. Yeah, but this isn't like spinning CBD into Delta eight. You're avoiding the THC, the Delta nine. And so if they have to go into Delta nine THC before they can get into THCO, uh, there's that. Plus it's all these uh, types of acid catalyzations. And then how many chains down the link before you have um, crossed a line somewhere. So and, you're saying because you have to get to the THC mark first before the THCO, you have that moment of illegality pretty much. Yeah. And so like this, this THCO acetate, you know, it starts with THC. And so that's the product. And then the THCO acetate is a semi-synthetic derivative or analog. And you do that through a chemical process using a very toxic chemical called acetic, acetic anhydride. And so you turn some of the Delta 9 THC into THCO acetate. And so, you know, then she asks him, well, why would somebody do this? And he goes, well, one reason is that it's reportedly two or three times more potent. And is that helpful? He's going to say no because THC is what they call a weak partial agonist to the CB1 receptor. Uh, and, and therefore, uh, this THCO may have uh, quite a bit more activation on the CB1 receptor. Uh, and then she asks, we're talking about people in the hemp industry producing THCO acetate and making it because it came from hemp, and they're creating it from Delta-8 THC. And so... And Ethan Russo goes, well, they could. Normally, one could take the THCO from Delta 9 THC. So it could be that from a garden variety of cannabis that has THC in it. If they're making it from CD, CBD, they would have to convert the CBD to THC first, which can be yeah. done in the presence of strong acids. But that process is not legal, despite the fact that people think that it is. Well, they're doing it here in Washington. They're infusing Delta 9 derived THC extracted from hemp into our recreational market. And it was approved by the regulating body like like people can't just do shit without getting approval first here so right they they were trying to help the market by trying to bring more uh for the patients but you know uh it's a very controversial topic when it comes to like you know is it still is it synthetic like like it, it, it's still coming from the cannabis, you know, and that's well, where it's, is it again, like it's one thing when you have wall and process hemp extract, which uh, comes from hemp. And so your CBD level is, you know, uh, when you, when you strip out the plant material. And so you take CBD flour, that's hard, USDA farm building compliant, you know, mm -hmm. it's 19% CBD and it's 0.3% Delta nine THC or total THC, let's say. Uh, and and be, or, or maybe it's got some CBG in there or something else. But you have those other cannabinoids. Now, to get to the THCO from that, you'd have to go into THC. And then that's where you would have that problem. Because, right. sure, you've gone hot. You're at 3%, but you're not at 100%. So you'd have to spin the CBD into THC. And then from the THC, 
go back into something that's not THC. And that's where you get the THCO. And so uh, Ethan Russo goes on and then, you know, where was that wrinkle? Yeah. So he goes, now that's an additional wrinkle here. The process of making THCO acetate is inherently dangerous. The acetate, the acetic anhydride, that's part mm. of the process that is very flammable and potentially explosive. And that's, so that's something that has to be done in a technical lab with a vacuum hood and no exposure to humans. So the inherent danger of the process to make it, the potential toxicity of the product and its illegality, I've got to remember, I got to recommend it that people try to forget about it. It's just not something people should be trying yeah and and that's what cannabis becomes uh dangerous right wouldn't because they're infusing toxic chemicals into this thing they're trying to treat it and extract and manipulate these cannabinoids coming out opposed to they're trying to manipulate the law and they're using chemistry to do it but then they're also that, that chemistry that they're doing to try to get into a legal loophole first it may just hit that that roadblock where it's like no, you first took the CBD and then you made it completely into THC. I'm like, well, we weren't done with the product yet, but you made it completely into THC. And so the DEA has uh, opinion letters out there that says you're not allowed to do that, uh, that the legality of that, their opinion is neither here nor there right now. Right. But then um, you have this layer. So then they go from the THC into the THCO and they have to do this acid catalyzation that's flammable. And so if you're just going to be doing that in an RV, <laughs> you know yeah no i feel you chad put out that paragraph just encouraged a bunch of people what's wrong one yeah. uh but you know it's funny uh how we as humans are chasing this like highest whatever you know the, the this purest whatever because uh, uh this morning i shared with the, our group uh in our group chat a 1978 commercial in high times that was uh an isomer uh you know like a hash maker you know increase your thc potency you know Turn your swag weed probably when mostly most weed at the time was shitty weed because it was being exported from Mexico. But uh, you know we've been chasing and manipulating this plant for a long time. It's just funny that proven time and time again, pure plant, hundred percent, just the plant itself. It's not going to ruin your day. But when you do all this crazy stuff with the chemicals and the mixing and the extracting, I mean it's not still not going to kill you as long as it's been made right. It's still a pure plant, but it's not, you know, the, the entourage effect is still a thing. It, it absolutely is. But then it's, you know, he, he goes on, you know, he, he does say there might be some uh, applications for THCO acetate, but he recommends that hemp farmers just not go there. And I can kind of understand and appreciate the need for that. But Delta 8 keeps getting shut down. And so then they're like, well, we have all this Delta 8 THC. I guess we could make some THCO. But uh, but then you got to find the market, right, to, to sell it in. Because that's, like I said, here in Washington, they, they're, they're still trying to uh, – uh, work it to where and then again it's there's an unfair advantage to hemp farmers out here because if you can turn uh 20 hectare acres of uh, hemp into delta nine without seed to sell processing you're 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 beating the guys that have these tier licenses and and can only make an acre's worth of, of cannabis and at the same time they have seed to sell and high tax rates against them it's ridiculous. Right. But then that's really cool that if I'm growing CBD in Washington state, I can spin it to t- uh, THC and sell it to a dispo. It's cool if you're not in the 502 market. <laughs> I mean, that's there's an unfair advantage. And then and, and, and that's just one of the, you know, again, 
when you're wrapping your head around legalization <laughs> and and regulations. Uh, and then like, because you have to comply with all the rules. It's one of the conditions. But then sometimes the rules make no sense. And so eventually you're like, I'm just trying to do my best here, buddy. What the hell? Yeah. And again, that's all we're trying to do. That's the whole reason why this plant should be legal because we just want to be law-abiding citizens. We just, like, I mean, I'm not the most perfect human being, you know, like there's speed limits and, and, and jaywalking and, uh, you know, cutting you off in traffic, you know, I've done a lot of shitty things, but none of them I deserve to be in jail for. But this is the one thing that can disseminate my life, like ruin it, like like the stigma, the the just being associated with a job, again, with the blue collar workers we were talking about earlier. There is something systemically bad in our system right now. We have to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Shout out to that. And thanks for watching, guys. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you on Sunday.